Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. God's house was built on. It was birthed in. The, the church was literally birthed in the wonder and awe of God. The day of Pentecost, the disciples came, 120 of them came to an upper room. They went because Jesus told them to go. They come with expectation because Jesus told them to be there. But they had no clue what, he was, what was going to happen. Absolutely no clue. They had no idea what was going to happen in that Pentecost room. They just did it because one, they were obedient. Two, Jesus said do it. So they had learned if Jesus said to do something, something was going to happen. So they come expecting in their heart, not knowing what that something would be, but knowing that something was going to take place. Why? Because Jesus said it would. Jesus said it would happen. The house of God is a place of awe and wonder. When we lose the wonder, we lose the desire to be in the house of God. got this whole message here and I feel like God's kind of like you ever seen the movie we've been watching this show called The Good Doctor has anyone ever seen that I see he's an autistic doctor surgeon who you know is quite unique and uh, but he has these moments right where he sees a problem he's sitting there he sees a problem and then the screen kind of pulls back and he's standing there and all these body parts and stuff all happen like and I feel like that's what God's doing right now in like you know, doing this thing with me where it's like, okay, I'm just arranging what I want you to do. And so even getting up this morning, I had no, um, I come out and I was just like, okay, God, what do you want to do? And then he just ran with it and he did what he wanted to do. And I feel like that's what God wants to do here this morning. So I'm going to probably throw a whole things out there and we'll just see what God does, Right. I told you this week would be about the house of God. It'd be about community. It'd be about being the church. And as I was sitting this morning, I got up about six, six o'clock and I sat down with a coffee and my Bible and I felt God take the message that I'd written, written on Friday. And he does this to me all the time. I should never get messages ready early because God always just goes, yeah, that's your, now let's do mine. And, uh, and he took the message and he started to pull the pieces around fit them together differently a few other scriptures so let's just let's start here let's start in Acts 2 Acts 2 verse 1 I think it's on the screen yeah it has when the day of Pentecost had fully come well the day of Pentecost came they were together in one place everyone say together suddenly 
the sound or a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. We're here on Pentecost Sunday, right? We're talking about Pentecost Sunday here. This is the move of God that started and birthed the church. And uh, we're the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Often we want to see a move of God. I don't know any Christian that wouldn't want to see God move with power. So we come, we, we believe, we pray for it, we do everything we can. We, 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 we're, like, we're like, I just want to see revival. I want to see God move like he had moved in the past. I want to see God do his thing. And, 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 but there's actually something that needs to take place before that can happen. There's something that needs to happen before God will move. And that one thing that needs to happen is found in this passage And it's simply this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. So what had happened is Jesus had sent them to gather together in one place. He said, you you need to go here for, for what's coming. You need to go and be in this place and you need to wait. You need to wait for me to turn up. You need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. They didn't understand what that was going to look like. They had been with Jesus long enough to know that if Jesus said something was going to happen, it was going to happen. They'd been around Jesus long enough. They'd seen the miracles. If Jesus said a miracle is going to happen, they knew something powerful was going to happen, but they didn't understand that what was going to actually take place, even though Jesus had told them, they still didn't get it. But somehow, with all their differences, with all their uh, different way of looking at things, and some wanted to be right next to Jesus, and others wanted to be this great, the other, uh, but something happened which brought them together, which made all the difference. This is the scripture where the birth was church. The, the birth was churched. Jeez, that's not God muddling that up. That's me. <laughs> the church was birthed out of togetherness. Another version says, I think it's the New King James, they, were to get, they, they came together in one accord. One of heart, one of mind. One of heart, one of mind. Unity, togetherness. Community starts at gathering together. That means making a commitment to be what Jesus is telling you to be. And prioritizing that in your life. This is what happened with the church. Out of this place, they have this encounter. Out of this place, Peter goes outside. Now, here's the thing. This is what we gotta understand. When, when, when the disciples went to the upper room, there was no leader. Why? Because their leader had died, gone to heaven, come back to life, gone to heaven again. So nobody was the leader. There was no chief person in the room. They were all acting out of obedience, of coming together and wait for what Jesus told them to wait for. But there was nobody leading the way. There was no, there's no evidence here that someone took the leadership role and said, now that Jesus has gone, I'm the man. What happened was a willingness to come together in one of heart, in one accord. They somehow managed to reconcile all their differences 
or to put them aside so that they could come together in one accord, in one heart to wait for what Jesus had promised to bring. It's amazing. They didn't wait for a leader to organise something. They just turned up. They made a priority in their heart to be in the place where Jesus had told them to be so that they could experience what Jesus was going to do through the Holy Spirit. It's powerful to think. We can think, well, if the church, you know, if we, if we want community, the church has to do all this stuff to facilitate it. And of course, there's things that we can do to help facilitate community. But the one thing we can't do to facilitate community in the church uh, by doing stuff is this one thing called togetherness. I can't make you be together. I can't make you love me and I, you can't make me love you. I can't make you be together as a unit in the body of Christ. I can't make people want this togetherness. I, I don't have the power to do that for you. Only Jesus does. He's the only one that can make it possible for us to knit together in unity as one for the house of God to flourish and grow. We have to be willing to do what Jesus has told us to do and to be where Jesus has told us to be. Now that's interesting. I talked to someone this week and they were in the wrong place. Jesus hadn't told them to be there, but they were there and they were struggling because of that until I had a chat to them and said, listen, you need to be where God's telling you to be. Obedient to what God was telling them to be or where he was telling them to be until they realised that their commitment can't be to a person or their obligation can't be to a pastor. It has to be to Jesus. And if he's telling you to be somewhere, you need to be there. And if he's telling you not to be somewhere, you shouldn't be there. And it brought freedom into this person's life. Because the first time they stopped and asked the question, Lord, where do you want me to be? And he was clear, this is where I want you to be. And now they're there. And it's very cryptic, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, because it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter where they are. It's the point that we need to make a commitment to be where Jesus wants us to be. And if we're in the place where he wants us to be, then we need to be committed to being part of that and throw ourselves into it. Because that's the reality of being where Jesus wants you to be. The re reason why these guys experienced a move of God was because they were where Jesus told them to be at the right time, in the right place. <clears throat> togetherness. But here's the power of togetherness. When it moves from a gathering of people just gathering together to an assembly, to an assembly. What do I mean by that? You might have heard this story before. I don't know, but there's these big old redwood trees in America. And uh, if you've ever seen that movie, The Planet of the Apes, the new one, and they take Caesar to the forest, right? And there's these massive big trees. They're the big old redwood trees in, in America. And um, scientists were doing studies on why these trees seem to be able to withstand 
massive storms. Like, because they're so tall, they're so big. And uh, they shouldn't be able to stand up in these storms. They shouldn't be able to stand up in a, in a hurricane. They shouldn't be able to stand up in high winds because they're so tall. There's so much weight above the ground. And so they're trying to figure out how is it that these trees don't fall over? How is it that they are able to survive these massive storms? I, they didn't understand why. So they started to do studies and research and, 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 figure, and try and figure this out. And what they discovered... discovered was not what was above the surface, but was what was under the surface. They discovered the reason why these trees were able to stand so strong in the storm was because down under the surface, the roots had entangled together from the tree next to it. So every redwood tree that's there, the root system is entangled in the tree that is next to it and around it. And it was the connections that were under the surface that gave them the strength to withstand the storm. Now we take that analogy and let's superimpose it over the church. How do we stand in the storms of life? Oh, well, I've just got Jesus. Well, it's a good start and it's not wrong. But there's more. The way you stand in the storms of life is by the connections that you have built with the person right next to you. The, that family sitting over there, with that family sitting over there, with that person over there and that person over there. How do you know those connections happen? How do they happen? Let me tell you how they happen because, because we had this amazing Pentecost where they gathered together, right? But somehow what comes out of that is this assembly of the people and they, they and if you come over to chapter, still in chapter two, but verse 20, uh, 42, let me give you the one key on how you will withstand the storms of life and how the people next to you will help you. And here it is, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. We have a responsibility to devote ourselves to the house of God, to Jesus and to one another. When we devote ourselves, we make a commitment to connect with people in a way that our lives become entwined. And it's because of those connections the assembly, if you read the, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about how he was led into the valley of the dry bones. And as he's walking around with God, God, you know, what do you see? He says, I see bones, very dry bones everywhere. And God says, prophesy Ezekiel's bones. So he starts to prophesy and the bones come together, bone to bone. They start to gather together. And then something amazing happens because as he continues to prophesy, what happens is tendons appear, sinew appear, and, and muscles appear, and, 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 there's, and then the connections are happening, which is assembling the body. And at the end of the whole thing, there's this vast army, and, 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 he, and he, he prophes God says, prophesy again, prophesy breath into them. And he prophesies, and God's power, God's breath enters them. And God says, this is the army of Israel. He goes, these are the people of Israel. Their bones are dry. But yet we see this assembly take place and they stand up as a vast army 
with the strength and the power of God inside of them. The way a church is strong is under the surface in the connections that take place, the entwining of lives. We can't afford to live disconnected from other people. So community, it was amazing. I was talking to um, Wendy the other week and she said something to me and it might not be the exact wording of what you said, but you come up after the service when I last, last fortnight. And she said, community is about being known and wanting to know others. That's pretty much what you're saying, wasn't it? And I thought, wow. So to belong to something, I have to open myself up. Why? Because you need to know me and I need to know you. But how do I do that? This is how you do it. You let down the walls. We live in a society, Western culture is very separate. You know, one thing I've learned by hanging out with Angela Murphy's family, Italians don't get separate. Same, she's not here today. She'd probably scream me down and say, amen. But... Uh, they, get, they understand the connections. Sometimes too much, but they understand the, con- the, the value of connections, the value of doing life together, the value of being together, togetherness, the power of being together. Yeah, I believe without doubt that God is calling the church, I don't mean just us, but all churches, to a new level of consecration. To reconsecrate ourselves to Him and to His house. Somehow something has happened in society, in the church community at large, where people are managing to separate their Christian faith and their church life. And it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Because we see here that when Jesus established the church, there was two things that he did. There was the temple court and there was house to house. There was the temple court, house to house. Let's read that passage. Where is that? Where am I? So here, we bring that verse back up in uh, 2.42, Z. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who were in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread together in their homes and they ate together with a glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of the people and the Lord added to their number daily. Do you realise that their focus wasn't to be added to? Their focus was one another. 
And as new people come in, they were included in it together. And then more people came in and they were included in the together. And more people came in and they were included in the together. And, and God just seemed to be adding people. And as they came in, what the, the reason it was working was because there was this healthy culture of togetherness and connection that was taking place. So that under the surface of the church, there was like these entwined relationships that kept the church alive, kept people being looked after. And uh, it doesn't say that the apostles ran around and met all the needs. It said that they would sell properties and other things to help people in need. But it wasn't just the leadership doing that. It was the church doing that. It was the people of God going, let's meet that person's need. And how did they know they had a need? Because they were connected together. So I knew you had a need because I'm in your world. I connect with you. I am known and I want to know people. You know, I believe without doubt, and it was interesting what Pastor Andrew said here last fortnight, but um, that, that, that the church needs to be strong for where it's got to go. There, there is a new day on the church and it's different than it's ever been before. We cannot go back to what we were. We are not heading back there. Why? Because that now is Egypt. We have to be willing to accept that the previous move of God is finished and we're in this weird in-between season before the next move of God that's going to take place. And what do we do in this place? Well, we do new things. We make a decision that we're gonna be strong as a community of people, that, that we are gonna build a strong, healthy culture in our church that is connected. Why? Because where the church is going, if Christians are not strong and healthy, they're gonna fall by the wayside and be pushed into a position of compromise to either agree with the world or stand in their faith and disagree with the world and suffer persecution. So we can't be fooled that persecution is going to go away. It's going to happen. Exactly like Pastor Andrew said last week, it will happen, but we don't have to fear. Why? Because we are children of God. So our focus doesn't need to be just on what the world is doing and be so scared and afraid of the world. Our focus needs to be building the connections, making sure we're strong, making sure that our faith is strong, making sure that we understand that there's value in being in the house of God because it's in the house of God where there's power. The house of God was birthed out of a place of power. So we can't separate that from our faith. We have to stay connected and work on those connections. Our church is, is strengthened by the connections between us. The next thing we see in this passage, it says that they were together in one place and suddenly the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire if you come over the verse into the, over the verse forty-two and you read over there, it says in verse forty-three it says everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. So the house of God is a place of wonder. 
So they just weren't focused on connection, but they were focused on the glory of God. They were lost in the wonder and the awe. See, often when people's hearts go cold to the house of God, their heart, they lose the wonder. When was the last time you came into the church and you're like, Not because the music is exceptional or, or the preaching was great, but just to be in God's presence with others who are connected to worship Him. I remember years ago being in a youth conference and it was just amazing. It was like thousands of young people. And I remember we'd taken the youth down there and, and we'd had a bus and booked a place. And, you know, we were... I was the youth pastor, Emma and I were the youth pastor, so we were responsible to make sure the kids got to where they needed to go. And, and I just remember this one time and the service had finished, the worship was just, for me, it was astounding. I was just like lost in this worship. And I remember just being there and just like, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stop worshiping. The music had stopped, the room was empty and I was still in my seat, standing in my seat, just lost in. And then I, look, I woke, I looked out, like Emma was gone. The kids were gone. Everyone was gone. They're actually getting text messages. They're in the bus waiting. And I was just so lost in the wonder of God that for some reason in that moment, I was lost where everything else seemed to not matter. But when you lose the wonder, what you're left with is obligation. When you lose the awe of God coming into a house, into the church, into the house of God, you, 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 you turn into an obligated soul and, and you start functioning out of have-tos instead of want-tos and, and have-tos instead of get-tos. And, 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 and we end up being lost in this world of like, oh, I've got to go to church. It's such a drag. It's so hard. I don't want to do that. I could stay in bed. Because we need to rediscover the wonder of the house of God. The church was birthed in it. We can't afford to lose it. We need it so bad. We need the presence of God. We need the power of God. We need that awe of just being lost in that place. You know, Jacob had that moment in Genesis. Come with me there. a lot of scripture I'm not going to read it all but Jacob finds himself in this place and he lays down and he puts his head on a rock and he goes to sleep and he has this dream and in the dream he sees angels ascending and descending and he looks up and he can see heaven and there's it's just amazing the, the vision in his dream is outstanding he's so gobsmacked by this vision he wakes up and he's completely lost in the awe and wonder of God. And he goes, how awesome is this place? <coughs> Excuse me. How awesome is this place? This must be the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. When was the last time you had an encounter with God where you were so lost in the wonder you realised, Wow. God is here. We've got to rediscover the wonder. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. 
This is the gate of heaven. The house of God is the place of transformation. It's the place of power. It's the place of wonder. It's the place of discovery. It's the place of freedom. It's the place where God meets with His people. We may wonder throughout our week, is God with me? But you know you can come to the house of God and you know God's gonna be in His house. Is He with me in the week? Of course He is, but sometimes we struggle and we can't feel it or we don't understand. And we, where are you, God? But I know when I turn up to the house of God, I know I'm coming into a place I know He's here. Why? Because you're here. And whether you are, wherever you are together, He is also. Why? Because God doesn't come to a building, He comes to a people. The Bible calls the church the ecclesia, the gathering of the saints, the assembly of the saints where we come together and we worship and praise Him. We lift up His name. We bring our burdens to Him on the altar. We, we, we step out in faith to receive. We get recharged to go out into the world and do what God's asking us to do. And we live in this place that we know that we, know that it, we may not feel Him in the week. I got to work on that. But I know when I turn up the church, He's in this place. And sometimes in our faith, in our walk, that's what we've got. Because some things are going on in life that are so difficult or so hard or, or so traumatic that we're really struggling to feel God's presence. But if I can just get to the house of God. I remember when I was going through my stuff, talked about it a lot, but the house of God was a refuge. My week sucked. I mean, it was terrible. Every day, in out, in out, yeah, every single day, I hated it. But I knew on Sunday, if I just come for a couple of hours, I stand in the worship, I just open my heart to people. I just, I'm just there. I don't, not necessarily wanting to be there, but I just, I just come and I do it. But why? Because I know that God's gonna meet me in this place. And of course, He can meet me outside of this place, but for some reason, it's when we gather together God just wants to be with His people. So He comes. And the weeks I found that I didn't want to be in church were the weeks that God did the most in me, where I had the most profound encounters with God and it wasn't even on an altar, it was just in worship. It was something the pastor said when he was preaching, but it just dropped in my spirit. Why? Because I just put myself in a place where I could receive. I would run to the house of God. I don't understand what's going on in my life, Lord, but I know this, when I turn up to the house of God, it's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna come together. Let me say this, I love the house of God. I love it. Without it, I don't think I'd be here. I honestly don't think I'd be here. And I don't just mean having Jesus was the answer. Yes, he was. But just as much, probably not as much, but just a little lower than that, you know, to turn up to a group of people that believed in me, that encouraged me, that was focused on building me as a person. Sometimes they correct me. I didn't like that. 
Still don't. Seems to happen more these days than it did then. I think God was gracious when I first came to church. He was very good. Yeah. It's okay, Dave. I'll do a little bit at a time. But now I'm so far down the track. He's like, all that's left is correcting, Dave. There's nothing else. Jen, can I? Where's the other shit? Jen, can I? You come. Here's the thing I've discovered. Here's the thing I I discovered. Church, the house of God, is what I make. My level of experience is in direct connection to my level of devotion and consecration. The house of God, of course with Jesus, but being in the house of God literally transformed my life. I can't separate my faith in the house of God. I can't do it. Because for me, they're one and the same. They're together. It's the connections under my life. those connections that make me belong I can't go from here to over there because I don't belong over there but I know I belong here why? because my connections are here God's knitted me knitted me to the church why? because I allowed it was up to me not up to him I make the decision I determine what my experience is by allowing him to have full access to my life. I realise, and I said this to this person I was speaking to this week about what they were going through. And I said, if you go over there, because God's calling you over there to another place, you have to throw yourself in That means get on board, get on a team, be a part of a small group, get into whatever it is the church is doing. Because if God's calling you there, He's not calling you to sit on the fence. He's not calling you to sit on the fringes. He's calling you because you have a gift on your life that that church needs so desperately. He's calling you because there's something in the people there that you need from them. And if you don't belong over here, then you've got to find the place where you belong and you need to have permission to know that you can pursue where God's calling you to pursue, to go, sorry. I said, but you can't let your family sit on the fringes and not be in. Because it's when we open up to the house, to the people, We open our hearts and say, this is who I am. 
Here's my weaknesses. Here's my strengths. Here's my problems. Here's my issues. Here's good things about me. Here's my family. He's a rat bag, that child. He's not, and she's a glory child. But hey, here we are. I don't think I was talking about my kids then. But anyway, <laughs> you figure out which one's the glory or which one's what. But, um, but I said, your children need to be in the house of God. They need to not just be in church on Sunday. They need to be serving. Why? Because the house of God is three things. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of sacrifice. And it's a place of servanthood. It's not a place of comfort. It's not about what we can draw out of it. It's about what we can put into it. Some great man said one day, ask not what you can do for your country, what your country can do, whatever it is, I can't get the quote right. But you know what I mean? It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give because God has equipped me. He has given me special gifts and special desires and special ability to do and to build His kingdom. And that building will, will, will happen in the context of a church. There's nothing more powerful than a local church. It's God's mission plan to the world. Still today, the greatest evangelistic effort that has ever happened is the establishment of the house of God in a community. There's been no greater plan. We can go out and we can do this and we can do that and we can run out for and we can witness and we can do all that, but there's no greater witness to the world than a house of God that will stand in truth for its community and not crumble. That is strong because it understands the connections that are underneath the surface and how we are meant to knit together as a community of people. If I understand this, I'll open my home up and let people in. I'll open my life up and let people in. I will have people in my home for dinner. I won't just see them at church. I will do life with them. Why? Because I understand the power of connection. Does it mean we only ever do everything together? Of course not. So here we are. The very edge of something. Something very new, something God wants to do. I feel like there's something He's telling us. And yet I feel that there's a great need for consecration. And why do I, need, why do I understand that? Why do I feel that? Because I feel Him calling me to it. And I realise that first it starts in my heart, but maybe because I'm the pastor and the leader of the church, I don't know, but I feel like God is saying it's time to reconsecrate your life. It's time to come before me and stand and make a decision. I reconsecrate my life to Jesus and I reconsecrate my life to His house. And I understand the importance, Lord, of the connections you've given me. So this is where I feel God has landed plain is the challenge to reconsecrate. And I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself. I feel the challenge in my heart right now to practice what I'm preaching. So I wonder this morning if I can challenge you, your pastor, and if I am your pastor, you will receive this and you'll receive it with a good spirit. 
but would you be bold enough this morning to reconsecrate your life and say, I'm coming and I'm, re- I'm giving it to the Lord, but I'm also giving it to His house. I'm connecting the two and I understand the, the importance of the house of God. It's not about bums on seats. It's not about how many numbers we can get in this room. I can give a, a rat's bottom about that kind of stuff. Do I want the house full? Of course I'd love this place to be full, but I, my sneaking suspicion is the more we get healthy as a church, the more we build these entwined relationships and connections, the more God people God will send our way. Not because He wants to just fill a seat, but He knows that we're trustworthy to build connection. The disciples didn't go out looking to build this great big church. They just were connected and God kept sending people their way. And I've heard so many messages on, oh, multiplication and how to get your church to multiply and how to do this and how to do that. And I'll go, I don't care what your strategy is. Just love one another, build relationship and be inclusive of others. And that would be my challenge to you as a church. Whoever comes in this place, include them into the fabric of your life. Open your home up to them. Let them come in. Love to have people in our home. We always have people in our home. You could come, you could ring and say, hey, Dave, can I come over? I'd say, yeah, come. I'll be out, but Em's home. <laughs> and then I wouldn't even tell her, surprise, babe, see, a great present. No, just kidding. Lou and Kieran started Alpha. First week they tried to do it in the mountains, didn't work out, massive fail. Get a word of a God in prayer, right? We get a word of God in prayer. I say to them, God's telling me you need to move it to your house. So next week they move it to their house. Instantly, three new people, never, come to, never been to our church, never been connected to us. They slip letters in the letterboxes, inviting people. Powerful. I don't know where I was going with that. Come on, let's, get, let's go there right now. How about we all stand? No, no, guys, I want you to wait. We're just going to have Jen. Sorry. God's been speaking to me about this for a long time. The call of consecration. That the Christian life is a continued coming and laying it down again before God. For some of us, that's going to mean laying busyness on the altar and not picking it up again. Some of it's it's going to be a reorganizing of priority. For some, it's going to be a commitment to get up earlier in the morning to get on time in church. 
For some of us, it's going to be a commitment to a church at home and say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of that. Why? Because I'm going to get in. I'm going to do what the church is doing because that's what God's got us doing. No matter what it is, God will identify it. He will show you and He'll ask you, are you willing to consecrate it to me? So my challenge here this morning is, and I'm going to give you an opportunity actually to come out of your seat and move forward and we'll just go through the wings or whatever it takes. There's not enough room at the front here. But would you be willing? And do you feel the call of God on your heart to reconsecrate your life to Him and His church? Understanding that that means what we've talked about this morning, to knit your life together with others. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.